Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm bringing you an episode called Solo Female Travel in the Middle of a Pandemic. What the heck am I doing? Well, actually, I'm, I'm putting this episode out very intentionally right now as a conversation starter. I recorded this episode back in late February, so before we knew what was coming for us. And it was inspired by a recent trip that I'd taken in February before everything got really serious in Europe regarding coronavirus, where I traveled around Spain and Portugal alone. The topic was fresh in my mind. I wanted to talk about it with my friend who I knew had a lot of experience with it. So we recorded it and then I sat on the episode for months and months and months because it just really didn't seem appropriate to put it out. And honestly, in some ways, it's still inappropriate to put it out because I I don't want people to think that I'm encouraging lots of travel right now. I'm putting it out right now because I'm seeing people talk about and post about a lot of trips that they're going on. And so I want to embrace the conversation rather than shun it. One reason that I want to put this out still is because one way that I'm really getting by is daydreaming and planning for a theoretical future. (laughs) which we don't know when or if that'll come, but a theoretical future where life goes back to normal and travel is possible again. When that happens, I want to travel alone, somewhere totally new, outside of Europe, outside of North America. I want to do it and I want to do it on my own. And maybe you've been toying with that idea too. That's one reason for me to put this out. I have a very positive stance on traveling alone as a theory, generally, And if you're thinking about it or if you're thinking about future plans, but then being like, oh, but I don't know if my partner or my family or my friends would want to do that trip or if they would also have time to go on a trip when I want to go on a trip, maybe you hear this episode and think, hey, why don't I recalibrate my daydreams to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go on that trip with or without anyone. A second reason that I have for putting this out is because I'm actually at the time of this being released doing a little bit of travel myself. When this comes out, I will be, actually, I will be traveling from Nuremberg to Munich. I live in Freiburg in Baden-Württemberg, and those two cities are in Bayern in Bavaria. We are neighboring states within Germany, but we are two different states within Germany. I am nervous to make this trip. I debated if I should or not, but I'm able to stay with friends at both locations I'll be taking the train to travel there and back, and I will definitely be wearing a mask for the entire duration of the trip. No excuses, even if it's hot. This travel is within Germany, and it's absolutely, definitely allowed. This is a short trip. I have many, many more vacation days I have to use up, and I don't know what to do with them because I don't know how I feel about traveling even within the EU. Right now, as of the time I'm recording this, It is okay to travel within the EU, and that gives me plenty of options if I wanted to fully take advantage of those options. But the thing is, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. So I'm currently debating if I even leave Freiburg for my longer trip. If I do, do I stay within Germany? One thing I have decided is my first travels will all be to cities or locations where I have a friend that I can stay with. That's something that for me feels comfortable and safe and like I'm minimizing my risk of spreading the virus or getting it myself. 
I'm also going to be doing all of these trips via train. If I had a vehicle, I think I would do it with a vehicle. And I think if I had a vehicle and a tent, I think I would be way more open-minded to crossing a border. But for me, it's really important to think about this seriously. Why am I telling you this? Because I'm sure you're also figuring out your summer plans and I'm sure you've made different decisions than me. Maybe you're doing less travel than I just mentioned. Maybe you're doing more. But honestly, part of the reason I'm putting this out is because an American travel blogger that I follow or followed (laughs) recently posted about a trip that they took to a European country. And technically, it was somehow allowed. But this person lives in one of the hardest hit states in America. And even if it is allowed, I really don't think it's okay that they did that because this trip was essentially for fun. And honestly, it's a global pandemic. Fun is the lowest priority. And I understand that for so many people, myself included, travel is so much more than fun. It's so much meaning and fulfillment. But also, meaning and fulfillment don't really matter right now if they put your life or other people's lives at risk. So I just wanted to say that. You know, we're at a time in this crisis where the economic impact of the crisis is really being felt. And so this is making a lot of governments looser with their restrictions because they want or even need to stimulate the economy. But that doesn't mean that you need to take advantage of that. That doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. I'm not sure if that opinion that I just shared is controversial. I'm I'm really not sure what the general sense is. But it felt important to me to put that out there. And I know this is a long intro right now and you're probably just ready to get to the episode, but I just think it's really important to lay it out. Just because I'm talking about travel, theoretically, does not mean I'm advocating for it. Take this episode for what it is, which is inspiration and ideas for your future trips that could happen in a post-corona era. Or, okay, I'll I'll asterisk that, or if you're doing some travel within your state, within your country, within the region that is allowed and that is considered relatively safe, if you are doing that, again, maybe this episode's inspiration for you. Okay, so there's my piece. Now on to the episode. My name is Zoe. I'm from Philadelphia and I live in Philadelphia currently. You're back on the show to talk about traveling solo because I just had my first solo travel adventure. So I'll go first with what led me to finally do it. So I I felt like I'd been traveling alone for so long because technically I had been, but I was always traveling from point A to point B alone, like literally doing the traveling alone. And then I would visit friends or family or whatever, or I would have friends meet me where I was. Um, It just never happened that I spent any amount of time alone somewhere. So I realized this and was like, that's kind of funny. And then also I realized at the end of last year that the people in my life in Freiburg either didn't have the money to travel, weren't particularly interested in traveling, or didn't want to do the same things at the same times that I wanted to do. And I decided I should set this as a goal and try, because I knew, I I had a feeling I would like solo travel. It was just kind of a, it felt, it felt like a weird choice 
when I had such a strong community and I was in a relationship then and all this stuff, there were so many reasons that I should travel with people that it just felt like such a choice to travel alone that I just didn't do it forever. So anyway, I set it as a goal and then I had a long weekend in October and I just kind of looked at the map. I was like, I just need to go somewhere to just like prove to myself that I can do this. So I ended up going to Strasbourg in France for a night and then I was in Luxembourg um, in a city called Fianden for three or four nights. That was step one. Step two was just a couple weeks ago, I went for a week to Spain and Portugal and that was a birthday trip. And this was in part because I didn't want to spend my birthday in Germany. I have a February birthday, so it's always winter and sad. And so I wanted to find the sun and I didn't want the presence or absence of other people to impact my decision to travel yeah, and at this point, I also talked to you about it because I was like, yeah, I, I did this four or five day thing, but I'm not sure how it will go for, well, my trip was nine days and that felt a bit long. So there's my journey. Tell us yours. The first time I ever traveled solo was um, I was a junior in college, so I was 20. I was living in France studying and I had a break between my semesters. And my plan originally was to do a HelpX. So HelpX is kind of like woofing. HelpX is basically this website and you can go on and find hosts anywhere in the world who will house you and feed you in return for some work. So that was my idea. I found a HelpX in Scotland where I would be working on this farm kind of thing, like petting zoo <laughs> things. There were like lots of animals that I'd be helping take care of. We had set it all up and then I was on the phone with my grandmother. And my grandmother was like, you are not going to Scotland in December and January to be outside taking care of animals. You're going to be miserable. It's going to be so cold. <laughs> um, and I was like, no, Grandma, it'd be fine. It's fine. It's fine. We got off the phone, and two days later, she told me that she and my grandfather had bought me my early graduation present from college, and it was a train pass for Europe. She was like, she basically was like, you can't turn this down, so you're not going to Scotland. Wow. And so my first solo travel was not by choice. Like all of a sudden, I had six weeks ahead of me, a train pass, and no one else. It was just, there was just me. So I was like, I guess this is happening. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm thinking back now to when you did this. I feel like I had no idea that this was sort of thrust upon you. I just kind of assumed it was just like Zoe being Zoe because you were traveling Europe a lot beforehand. And it didn't yes. really occur to me that this was different in that you are alone and it was a long time. Yeah, six weeks is a long time for the first time ever <laughs> going somewhere by yeah. myself. <laughs> to be honest, though, I kind of had this idea of myself as like this adventurous independent person like it didn't really seem like that big of a deal to be traveling solo until I was on the train it was terrifying I have the <laughs> journal entries to prove it the night before I left I was having dinner I was living with a French woman at the time and I was having dinner with her and like preparing to leave and she did not believe in me she was really <laughs> worried <laughs> that I was gonna die she was like okay you all set she was asking me all these questions and I told her that, you know, I had my, my ticket, I was ready to go, I was leaving at this time the next morning, and she asked me whether I had gotten my train pass verified, 
And I was like, verified? What is that? What's that? And apparently you have to get it stamped before you start your trip. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do that in the morning at the train station. She's like, I don't know if the office is open that early. So this was my first step. I was like, clearly unprepared, had not planned any of this. I left in the morning and told her that if I'm back that day, it's because I have to put off my trip for a day. Like I'll just take the train the next morning. (laughs) And luckily they, they had opened. I got on the train and My first stop was Vienna, Austria. So I had a really long train ride. It was going to take me like 16, 18 hours or something. I started thinking, Austria, do they use the euro? (laughs) I was like, I didn't didn't know. I was like, what language do they speak in Austria? Like I had no idea what I was doing. I was just pure panic. I had... I didn't have any sort of electronic device. All I had was a flip phone. That was my only like connection to the world. So I'd written down directions to my hostel, but all the directions were using the metro. And I had no idea. Like I was getting in at midnight. Does the metro still run in Vienna at midnight? I had no clue. And I started oh my God. just pure panic. Like what have I done? And this identity that I had created around being this adventurous, independent person, it was all falling apart maybe I'm not this person. Maybe I've just sort of like created this and talked this up and I am actually incompetent and really should learn how to plan. But I got to Vienna. They used used the Euro, (laughs) speak German, and the Metro was running. Luckily, my hostel also had 24-hour reception, also something I hadn't looked up. Mm. So everything went well. Yeah, I had a great time. Did you find that once you started out and once you were in this first hostel, did you get into a rhythm? Yeah, definitely. It got easier, mostly, I think, because I had had those questions as I was sitting for 18 hours with no idea what was waiting for me on the other end. I came up with a ton of questions that I had not previously thought of. And so the next time I booked a train and booked a hostel, I got the answers to those questions ahead of time. And not to say that there weren't still things that came up that I was unprepared for. Things happened, like that flip phone, my one connection to the outside world, was pickpocketed about a week into the trip. So the next five weeks, I had nothing. But I think this brings up one of the big benefits of solo travel, which is even if you're freaking out and stressed, you're only freaking out and stressed for yourself you don't have to worry about the consequences of your failed planning on anyone else. Like for instance, over the summer, last summer, I went back to the States and I went with my boyfriend at the time and we landed in New York and had to go to our friend's apartment where we were staying for the night. And I hadn't looked that part of things up. I was like, we're landing in Brooklyn and JFK and we're staying in Brooklyn at this address. Like we just go there. And I do have a smartphone that works in the U.S., (laughs) we're fine. And I get there and we get off the plane and it's been a long travel day already. And then I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's an it's an hour and a half journey. Also, my phone doesn't really work as well as I thought it did. Also, I don't have cash. Like All these things just as, oh, okay, I didn't I didn't plan this part and I should have. And he didn't necessarily give me crap for it or anything, but I'm a very empathetic person and I'm very, always very worried about other people. And so my natural instinct was just like panic. And even though I was okay with it, I was worried about making sure he was okay with it. And even though he was, I had to keep making sure that I also perceived him as okay with it. And that process is just exhausting. 
And when you do this alone, none of that's there. Like, honestly, the hour and a half that it took on the subway, I mean, it wasn't great. But if I had done that alone, it wouldn't have been that tragic. I would have just been like, well, here we go. I feel exactly the same way. I'm way more of a planner when somebody else is involved. When I'm by myself, everything is just at the last minute, go with the flow. I find it to be much more freeing to travel by myself. And I will also say this episode is largely inspired by Austin, who hosts the Expat Hour podcast. And she was saying she really wants to travel solo, but she's nervous about it. But the reason that she even got the idea to do it is because she's got four kids and they live in the Netherlands. So often when they travel, it's with six people, which is a lot, four of which are tiny humans that she's responsible for. So she kind of hates traveling because it's just so stressful. And her friend said, I don't think you actually hate traveling. I think you hate traveling with four kids. So I think of her situation. And I mean, if I feel this way with one person who is a full capable adult, like I can only imagine the stress that that is. Truly, a lot of that does fall away. And I think also if you're in it with a good sense of humor, the mishaps are just funny. And the worst case scenario is usually doable. Like either you're going to find a credit card that can book you a last minute hotel if your hostel falls through or if your plan falls through or I don't know if you're that kind of person you'll you'll just be like okay well I'll find a little tree to sleep other under for the night if if your planned housing isn't working out like I don't know worst case scenarios just aren't that bad when you're just looking out for number one no one else (laughs) yeah I mean that certainly happened to me I ended up sleeping in a parking garage elevator once because (laughs) turns out I (laughs) turns out I couldn't stay at the train station all night they closed I didn't know train stations closed at night (laughs) that was my plan was to sleep there wow first off not a great plan turns out I got kicked out at 1 a.m from this train station in a random town in Sweden in the middle of a blizzard so what was I gonna do (laughs) (laughs) well okay speaking of planning another thing is how do you plan your days or your activities when you're traveling alone I found for me, this was another beautiful thing about it. Like I didn't, I didn't plan anything. I like did some listening to podcasts or maybe reading a couple blog posts or flipping through a magazine here or there. And then if there's anything where you have to book a ticket ahead of time, then I will. But other than that, I just kind of have a vague mental to-do list. And then I just wake up and just see what seems like it's going to work with the weather, work with my mood. And then I start to do it. And if it doesn't work out, then I stop doing it. I do a different thing. And it's just not (laughs) a thing I have to think about. Like on my trip in Spain, I was walking around Park Gul, I think it's pronounced. And I didn't want to do the part where you have to pay for it to see the actual Gaudi buildings because I just, I don't know, I'm cheap. And I was like, it's a nice park. I'll just walk around the park. I'd been walking around the park a long time and I was really tired. And I was like, okay, I think it's, it's time to move on. And I was going to leave. And I was already thinking, I was like, if I were with another person, we would have had to leave this park like an hour and a half ago because I have done nothing. But it's just been nice to just wander. But okay, okay, it's time. And I'm leaving. And then I see this dog start to like go off the path a little bit. And I was like, where's the dog going? And he was with people, but they just kind of started following him. So I just followed them. I was like, let's see where this dog takes me. (laughs) And he took me to this swing on this tree overlooking the whole city of Barcelona. And then you go even further up and it's like the mountain peak where you have a 360 degree view of the entire city, the port, all of it. And it was incredible. And it was the best part of that park visit. 
And it was just because I saw a dog and wanted to follow it, which is not a thing that I necessarily think I could have gotten someone else on board with, especially after having already walked a crap ton of miles and hiked up and down hills all day. So, you know, just that freedom to feel like it's going to take me where it's going to take me is so amazing. I think that your friend Austin would find something similar and not even in a lack of planning, but just that you only have to do what you want to do. I also, if I'm someplace that has free walking tours, that's the first thing that I do. They take you past all of the like main monuments. And so then you get all that like silly things taken care of right away. (laughs) Then if there's something that sounded really interesting that I want to check out further, I can go back to it. I think free walking tours are the best. Yeah, I would second that. I went on my first one on the Spain trip and made a couple temporary friends where we went out to lunch together. We were all ladies traveling alone for different reasons, different ages, but we, yeah, we found each other and then went and got paella and Valencia together and it was great. And then we left and never saw each other again. And I was like, this is wonderful. (laughs) And I just wanted to say too, I did post to Instagram before recording to see what other people thought about solo travel. And yeah, Emily Lane was saying, yeah, like traveling at your own pace is the reason that she loves it because it's just so liberating. Also, this is funny. Someone else asked, will I get mugged? Question mark. Apparently you might. You might get your flip phone stolen. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. To, to be completely honest, it is possible that I put my phone down somewhere and left. <laughs> <laughs> I may have lost the flip phone because I didn't notice anyone pickpocketing me, but it makes me look better if I was pickpocketed than if I just... <laughs> left my phone somewhere just choose the narrative that suits you it's fine (laughs) I actually would say though when it's just me I know exactly where I put it and somehow that feels better and then also if I do do something stupid or lose something or get mugged like it's probably kind of my fault anyway and I think that ownership of mistakes is actually really relieving because there's nothing you can do anyway other than admit that it happened and move on but when you're with someone else sometimes like psychologically you get in your head and start trying to bicker or you get resentful about something and there's no one to get resentful at other than yourself and maybe like if you actually got pickpocketed than that person but <laughs> I just found it was like overall I just slid into this zen mode. I think it is important to acknowledge people's concerns about solo traveling and how like real that is. We talked about two things, this safety question and also making friends. You mentioned making friends, being lonely, that kind of thing. As far as safety goes, I've definitely been in situations solo traveling where I have felt unsafe and I don't think I would have felt unsafe if I was with another person. I mean, I have been harassed I've also been places where I've been harassed when I was with other people. So I don't think it's like just solo traveling, but you are less safe, especially as a woman traveling by yourself. That being said, with all of the solo traveling that I have done, nothing absolutely terrible has ever happened to me. But I do think that that is a valid concern. That was something I was maybe a little bit nervous about too. I think not consciously, but a little bit of like, like, can I just do this? Can I just like go off somewhere alone and it's everything's fine? Nothing bad's going to happen. There was just sort of a yeah ambient lingering anxiety. And I think if I had any tips for people who are like concerned about safety, it would be to like do your research about the culture that you're traveling to. 
Also, I think it's really important to remember that the hostels are on your side. So um, I've had some issues where I've been in rooms with people that make me uncomfortable and maybe make sure you're staying in one that has 24-hour reception. And if they don't, find out how you can get in contact with somebody just so that if somebody makes you uncomfortable, you can move rooms. They will absolutely let you move rooms if you do feel uncomfortable. But I think people are nervous about being like a problem, but absolutely do not hesitate. Like people want to make sure that you have a safe and happy travel, especially in their hostel. They want you to feel good. So don't hesitate to ask if you feel uncomfortable. And part two of what we were just discussing was friendship. So this is a huge thing. In Luxembourg, I didn't make any friends. I like talked to the hostel employee in the mornings and that was about it for the day. (laughs) And I loved it. I wasn't even answering my texts. Like I expected that I would take time during dinner or whatever to connect with my friends so that I would have some form of human interaction. No, (laughs) I was really fine to just be like, nope, I'm just doing my thing all alone. It's great. I'm reading, I'm writing, I'm people watching and that's it. But by the end of day five, I I was like, okay, I needed human contact. Like by this point, I was getting lonely. And this is why I thought, oh, okay, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on a nine-day trip because I'll have to make friends. Like otherwise, it's not, it's, I'm going to be miserable. So, and then I was nervous about that. Like how do you make friends? But like you already said, the one tip is the free walking tours. Another thing is if you are staying in the hostels, just hang out in the common space and you will find someone to talk to at some point at most hostels. You can even look up, especially in bigger cities, hostels that are specifically billing themselves as good for solo travelers. Um, I did that in Lisbon specifically, and I had a really great experience with that. The place I stayed was super social. I made two travel buddies right away and we spent the whole weekend together but there was this whole roving group of like 15 to 20 people that were just so open to conversation and I'm sure I could have spent the whole day with them if I'd wanted to I just kind of found my my buddies (laughs) and I ran off with them but I I am so content being alone and I'm not shy maybe I'm shy I just I don't know if I see someone who looks cool I'm like what am I gonna do just go over and say hey you look cool want to be a friend like this kind of thing is not instinctive for me. I'm I just hold back a little bit more in these situations, but the hostile environment really helped me to push through that and I think once you push through it once then it was fine. So when I did my first solo trip that 6 weeks in Europe, I lost all social anxiety. Like it totally cured me. That first weekend that I was in Vienna, my first stop, they had a sort of common space bar where I was staying and I was sitting there and I was just like I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to make friends. And then I sort of went into a fugue state and woke up while I was standing in front of a table asking, can I sit here? Luckily, they were so sweet. They said yes. I hung out with them for the next couple days just in the evenings when I was back. So especially that trip in Europe, there were definitely a lot of times that I was very, very lonely. I also love to be by myself, but this was like in the heart of the winter. So the sun set at like 3 p.m. when I was in like Denmark and stuff like that. If I didn't have friends at my hostel, it'd be 3.30 or 4 and I'd be back at the hostel with nothing to do. So it definitely was difficult. And I don't know whether it was because it was my first trip or whether it was because it was Europe. Because since then, in South America and in Asia, I found 
totally different experience. I think people are taking much longer trips in South America and in Asia, whereas in Europe, a lot of people are just doing a week, a weekend. They've got places to be. They've got things to do. They're not necessarily trying as hard to make a travel buddy. And I found that it was much easier for me to make friends in later trips. And you found your best life hack yet, which is be that guy who's always carrying a deck of cards. Always have a deck of cards. The best <laughs> icebreaker. You can just go up to someone and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to play some cards. Do you want to play with? Yeah, I always have a deck of cards. I am well known as the card person. I have often started a game of solitaire and not even finished setting up all of the cards before somebody comes over and is like, do you want to play? And then, or somebody comes and sits near me and I'm just like, hey, I can, I don't have to play solitaire. Like we can (laughs) hang out. Yeah. It's definitely great because it keeps you occupied if you are by yourself. And also is, it's an amazing icebreaker. So I recommend to people bring a deck of cards, learn some rules. Do you have any other friend making tips that you've picked up along the way? I would say basically just talk to everyone. Because sometimes you won't click, sometimes you won't make friends, sometimes you just have a conversation that's like, hi, this is my name, I am from this place. I would add to that also, not just in the hostel, because not everyone's going to be a hostel traveler who's interested in solo travel. But if you're at a restaurant, just talk to the bartender or waiter. Or if you're at a museum, like if you're in a touristy area, there's other people being tourists and walking around with a smile. It sounds super silly, but can already help be an icebreaker and then just anything just literally say anything to people and it's not always going to work but sometimes it will never have I initiated a conversation and somebody was mean to me about it and this is really why my social anxiety disappeared is because I realized that nobody is going to like reject my advances to talk like we might not become friends or have like a good conversation or have even much of a conversation at all But people are going to be generally nice. And I would say if you hear a language that you know how to speak, that's a great in. Speaking of bringing cards with you everywhere, what are some other things that solo travelers should pack with them? I'll go first. Books. (laughs) Yes. Or if you're not a reader, a device where you can watch TV like Netflix or something to your phone or a tablet. Just something for so you don't get super lonely when you don't have friends. (laughs) I also love writing and journaling, especially when I'm traveling. It's literally just what I did that day. But that's super fun. And also I would do that during meals often. My journal from that first six weeks, because I didn't have books or a phone, my only way to entertain myself was to write in my journal. So I would write like six entries a day. Like anytime yeah. I was had any time, I would just write what I was thinking, what I was feeling, just a lot of self-reflection. I recommend you have a phone that works in the country that you're in or at least like connects to Wi-Fi so that you can look things up if you need to. And also like in an emergency that you can call for help. Especially talking about safety. Yeah. Anything else we should pack? Have a small bag, whether that is a suitcase or a backpack, make it as small as you can. Not only because you don't know what kind of transport you're going to get into, but also bathroom trips. So when you're traveling with somebody else, they can watch your bag while you go to the bathroom. When you're traveling by yourself, to bring everything with you into a bathroom stall. 
So you want that stuff to be as compact as possible. So that <laughs> this I've learned the hard way. This is very true. And also, if you are staying in hostels, I think it feels more secure to like have your stuff tucked away and like shoved in a back corner versus then this giant suitcase that you might not be able to place anywhere. Also, you should bring locks and use the the lockers that they have in most oh. hostels. I have been robbed. So. Oh. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about the downside of solo travel. Like you've been mugged, you've been robbed, you've been harassed. These are real bad things that have happened that may have been preventable or not as bad if you weren't traveling alone. Like these are just realities. You will be lonely. I was in Spain eating tapas alone. All of Spanish food culture is based around sharing and most of my meals, I was not sharing, but I didn't want it to keep me back from trying a lot of new food. So I ate a lot of food, which was great, but also a little sad. I was like, man, okay, it would be really such a special moment to share in the culture to really be doing this right, to be doing this with friends. And I did have moments where that was able to happen and it was great. But yeah, it felt lonely. It definitely did. But I, I don't know, for me, Part of the whole thing is that you learn that that's okay. Like I was lonely for however long that feeling stayed with me. And then I was fine again. And then I was lonely again. And then I was fine again. And through it all, it was worth it because I got to do all these amazing things. And I was overall very happy. I agree. Another thing to think about if you're considering solo traveling is that you might not ever be able to go back. Like, I cannot travel with people anymore. (laughs) It's really, well, I can, but it's difficult. After that first six weeks in Europe, I, a month later, went on a week-long trip with eight people because I'm an idiot. We spent all of our time deciding what to do. I actually wrote this down to preferences with a question mark because I'm finding already, even after the short little experiences that I've had, I'm thinking about my future plans pretty differently because I no longer feel like I need to wait on anyone. And I think that traveling alone is just so great like I just had such a great experience with it that I'm like oh okay well if I travel with this person then we're gonna have to travel in their style which is really fun but expensive or oh if we do that kind of a trip it's just it's a social trip and then I'm not really seeing the places I want to see and yeah so I yeah that's a very fair warning (laughs) I just I seriously get into like a trance state when I'm traveling alone and it's it feels like healing to me. It feels me- very meditative in a way. I'm a person who has podcasts playing in her ears all day long, any available moment. And I can't me turn too. that off in my daily life. I can't not have something going on. Yet when I'm traveling, I barely listen to anything. I love eating alone. I love all of these things that I can't find a way to integrate into my normal day-to-day life. And it's just a really wonderful feeling. And to get that while traveling is really special. But then money is the last thing that we wanted to touch on. Because I guess this this can also be a negative. Like, for instance, if you're in Spain eating a bunch of food that's supposed to be shared and you eat it all yourself, then you you pay for it all yourself. That's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, lodging. So if you're not a hostel dorm person, then you're not splitting the cost of a private room somewhere or a hotel room. You're paying for all of that. So um, it can cost more. It also costs a lot less, in my experience, uh, (laughs) if you are staying in dorms, because you are only paying for what you want 
to go do. When I'm with somebody and they're really interested in seeing this museum or this monument or something, I'm not going to be like, no, that costs $5. I don't want to do that. So I pay it and I go and I spend the time with them. But I would not have spent that $5 if I was by myself because I wasn't that interested in it or like, I could see it from the outside. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> I am a cheap traveler, so I will skip things that are pricey. I like to do free things. I think free things end up being more interesting anyway. <laughs> so um, I end up spending a lot less money when I'm traveling by myself. I would second that too, because that one weekend in Lisbon where I really hit it off with some friends, then I wanted to do the things that they were doing or slash I signed up for things at the hostel in order to meet people. And by the time I left, I was there two and a half days. I'd racked up a bill of 60 euros, which is pretty considerable in a hostel, just on activities, like on a day trip, on their dinner one night, on a pub crawl. And I don't regret it yeah. because I had a great time with it all. But that was at the end of the trip and it was a little kick in the wallet that I wasn't anticipating because my average at the beginning of the trip was considerably lower. I think that the money and the budget aspect of solo traveling really depends on your own priorities and the other theoretical person who might be traveling with you, whether it ends up costing more or costing less. But I think it is an important part of the equation because for me, almost always, it costs more to be with somebody. And I think that's another thing, too, that ties back to this concept of when you're traveling alone you're owning all your decisions. Because if you do spend more alone or you do spend less alone, you own that. If you go on a solo trip and you decide you want to eat fancy, stay in a nice hotel, yeah, you're going to rack up quite a good bill. But if that's how you want to do it, that's fine. And no one's to blame but yourself and, and no one's to blame because it's what you chose to do. And I think that's what this whole thing comes down to, especially as a woman, I would say. I've, I think I've definitely learned somehow through life it's been taught to me that I should really worry about other people and that I should be accommodating and put other people's needs before mine and very nurturing and all these things which are great qualities to have however it is really nice to go out alone and get in tune with my decisions and learn what yeah. I choose and what I don't choose then spend some time thinking about what that means. I, I think it's really good practice. I say this a lot about expat life, but I, I think it applies to solo travel especially too, is that you really get faced with your flaws and you have to work through them. Like you were saying with your social anxiety, it stood in your way at some point. I mean, it's such a cliche, but I feel like I became a different person after those six weeks. That first time I was traveling by myself was like the first time I had really had to like test myself, test my identity and I came out not only more confident, but specifically, I learned how to trust myself. I could trust that I could do it because I had been in some rocky situations, sometimes when things didn't work out and I had to sleep outside, like all sorts of different things. And I realized like, no matter what happens, I can do it. And that sort of trust that I have in myself now is such a core part of my identity. I think that it would have taken me a lot longer to get there or I might not have gotten there had I not had that experience of testing whether I could. One of the last questions I'd written down was, who should travel solo? And I think everyone should, be it for a weekend or eight months or whatever it was you did in Asia. <laughs> I think 
whatever you can do in terms of your life plans and and finances, no matter how little you start or how big you start, it doesn't really matter. And it doesn't matter if it's not a start at all, if it's just a one-time thing that you tried and you're like, wow, I hated that. Cool. Then you know. (laughs) And I I, I just don't really see what you're going to lose by having that experience. So if you can swing it, I think it's worth staring those fears and insecurities face on because you're going to come out the other end knowing a lot more about yourself and about the world. I don't really think that you can get quite that same level of experience when you're with other people. And even you can do a little test run where you go somewhere with somebody and then only stay the night at the same hostel, but spend all day doing different things or the opposite. I ran into these four Indian guys when I was in Asia who they were all friends and they came together and they would like meet up and do stuff together during the day, but they all stayed at different hostels so that they had the opportunity to like meet different people and like maybe not do everything together because in the morning they're not starving at the same place. So they wouldn't have that instinct to right away meet up and fall into a pattern of doing something together. So there are other ways to sort of get travel solo light where you can try it out and see how it goes while you still have that safety net. That's a great note to end us on. So I'm going to transition us to the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. You ready? Well, as you know, Nicole, I learned how to trust myself. I believe that I can do it. Wow. What an enlightened solo traveler thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. What is your ideal type of hostel? One where there are a lot of solo travelers or small groups, people who are open to meeting other people. You've got a good common room, maybe like a fridge with beer in it, because that always encourages people to hang out in the hostel rather than like go out. The free walking tour would come right to the door, pick you up. (laughs) (laughs) for sure um really really friendly staff and comfortable beds what is your favorite card game to play when you're traveling i love the card game cambio people don't love it because it's a memory game but i really enjoy it finally what is your next trip gonna be my next trip is to visit you germany 2020 I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm going to get off this phone call and look up plane tickets to visit Freiburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's go do that. Thanks for coming on to the show. This was super fun. And I feel like I learned a lot. I always learn a lot from you. That is so sweet, Nicole. Thank you for having me on for a second time. I'm so honored. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Expat Cast. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast, and I would really love to hear from you on this topic. Are you into solo travel? Is it something you've done before? Is it something you're looking forward to doing after Corona? And speaking of Corona, what are your travel plans during Corona times? Are you staying in your city? Are you staying in your state? Staying in your country? Or are you venturing beyond? And if you are, are you doing it alone? Let's chat about it on social media. You can also always email me at theexpatcast at gmail.com. You can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or your podcast app of choice. Thank you as always goes to Amy Lungi Art for the logo and to Sidehug for the theme music. 
They're on Instagram too, at a hug from the side. We'll be back in your feeds next Thursday. And I hope that until then you have a wonderful week. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay smart, make good choices. Okay, now I sound like your parent. Okay, I'll stop. Okay, bye, piston, choose. And yeah, P.S. That whole Germany 2020 is always going to come visit me. That ended up being the first of many plans that got canceled due to Corona. Womp womp.